Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. All right, as we get into this, I'm going to start with a, a, a movie that was released in 1998. Who wasn't born then? Yeah, my favourite people. <laughs> so good. In 1998, a movie was released called Saving Private Ryan. All right, there's enough connection there. That's good. So Saving Private Ryan was this story about one family who had four sons. And all of those sons went to Europe to fight against Hitler's advance through Europe. This is actually a true story and reflective of many other stories that took place as many, many families sent their, all their sons of, of that age to be able to go and stand in the army there. And so what happens is that three of the sons are killed in action. And the army realise that this family has made a great sacrifice for their nation. And so they say, well, we're not going to allow this fourth son uh, to suffer the same fate. We're, we're going to go out and rescue him, hence the term Saving Private Ryan. What they do is they deviate from the main overall mission that the army has to have a, another mission flowing, and that is to save one individual and bring them safely home. The army sees so much value in one life that they deviate from the overall mission to go and save that one individual. The question I'm asking of us this morning, myself and, as, and the church, is what is the value of one? Yeah, as the story plays out, Private Ryan is actually found and is saved, but the majority of the men that went on the mission to find and rescue him gave their lives in the mission of rescuing another. Now, as Jesus was leaving this earth he, uh, uh, to take the, the position of right hand of the Father, He gave a mission to the church. Matthew chapter 28, you're probably very familiar with this passage of Scripture beginning from verse 18. He says, Jesus came and told His disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go. Friends, can I tell you this? You know this already, but it's, it, 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 when you hear it said this way, it will remind you, and that is Jesus invites everyone to come, but He commands everyone to go. There's an open invitation to come to Jesus, but once you do and you realise what He's done for you, the command that follows is, well, it's no, it's not, you haven't received this life so that you can stay here. You've received this life so that you can go there. Therefore, go and make what? Disciples of the nations. What a powerful understanding. You know, this term disciples, it is something that, that the church is, uh, I, I know that this is a word for the church today, that we would be people that are disciple makers. Do you know that there is biblical references for supernatural salvation, but there's no biblical reference for supernatural discipleship. Everyone is where they are at in their faith because of someone else investing into their life. 
God can meet people supernaturally, but when He wants someone to move forward in their faith, like He did for the Ethiopian eunuch, what did He do? He sent someone to sit in the chariot with them or to walk alongside and then get caught. Friend, this is who we are called to be. We can People can come to supernatural salvation, but if people are gonna go forward in their faith, it's gonna take a faith-filled person to get beside them and disciple them to become one like Christ. Go then, He says, make disciples of all the nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples. That's the key phrase. Teach them. Someone needs to, to obey all the commands that I have given you. What you know, you can teach someone. Do you have to know everything? You can't know everything. But if you know enough to know who Jesus Christ is and what He's done for you, then you can be a part of teaching someone the same revelation. And be sure of this, I am with you always, as Jesus promised, even to the end of the age. If that's too much to remember, I like the way Mark says it in 1615, go into all the world and preach the Gospel everyone. I'm a simple man. I'll go with Mark on this one. Just go and everywhere you go, take the gospel. So we haven't been given the private, saving private Ryan mission. We've been given the gospel going forward mission. You know, this is a reason why the church exists. You know, have you ever thought uh, if it was all about spending an eternity with Christ, the revelation would be this. The moment we receive Christ, we would go to be with Him in eternity. The fact that you're still here means that God has a purpose and a plan for you to outwork on this earth that isn't your plan and purpose, but is His. Let me tell you, you weren't just saved from something, you were saved for something. So today we're asking and answering the question, what is the value of a soul? To answer that, the first thing we do is go, well, how do we determine value? What gives us the measure of value? When you walk down the aisle of a grocery store or you jump on and do your click and collect, I always get one amen with the click and collect. Someone's life has been set free. I never have to walk the aisles of a grocery store again. Uh, when, my wife text, when I text my wife on the way home from church on a Sunday night, she goes before I do and I go, do you want me to pick anything up? And she, if she names a grocery thing, mate, I tell you what, I know I am on about a three hour mission because by that time on a Sunday, I am not like after the three services, I don't want to talk to anyone. So I don't ask for help. I have to find it in the grocery. Do you know there used to be a show on television where you used to have to run through the aisles and find things? Well, that's me, except I'm walking and it takes me hours. The worst thing is when you finally get there and there's like six different options of the same thing. I just buy all of them. (laughs) Happy wife, happy life, you know. When you're looking at real estate, when you're looking at property, what, what is it that determines the va- How is the value measured? When you are reading the trading post, and if you're not reading the trading post, you're not living. And if you don't know what the trading post is, we're going to pray for you later. God's grace is enough. You see, in all of these examples, value is measured always by the size of the dollar amount that is connected to them. If you're reading the trading post and someone's trying to sell you jousting sticks or an overhead projector that is way beyond market value, what do you do? You tell him he's dreaming. Thank you, Mark. See, we live in a society where so much is measured in a dollar and so we even say things like time is money. So what we often do is we place the value of something according to the price tag that's been placed upon it. Well, 
I'd like to tell you a story about my first ever motor vehicle. It was a Datsun 200B station wagon. I tell you what, this vehicle, it took me and my mates on some epic adventures. It was my noble steed when I picked up my girlfriend, who then became my fiance and then became my wife. The only doubts I've ever had about our relationship is that she was only with me because of my wheels. I absolutely loved this car. I highly valued this car, but eventually it came time for me to need to sell this car to to move on to the next purchase. So what I did was I put a price tag for sale on this car that matched the value that I saw on the car. Now, this was in a time frame where there was no Facebook marketplace, there was no Gumtree, there was no online options. What you had was the trading post and Saturday classified news paper column. So what you had to do was you had to put your vehicle in the, in the ads in the paper and then you had to stay at home and wait by the phone. And when you're a teenager, so I was 18 at this time, when you're 18, you don't want to be home on Saturday waiting by the phone, but I, I, I love this car and I was selling it, so I did that. And so I put the ad in the paper and on Saturday morning, I sat by the phone the whole morning, not one person called. Horrific. I did what you have to do in this scenario. You go back in, you put the ad in again, and this time you don't just get to, you know, update your post. Now you have to go in and do another ad, pay again, and mark down the price. Horrendous. So I sat by the phone again on Saturday morning. Not one person called. Can I tell you about the humiliation of going into the advocate, the Coffs Harbour newspaper, a third time? When I finally got a phone call, someone came out and looked at my vehicle and they gave me a heartbreakingly low ball offer that I accepted. (laughs) Here's the lesson that I learned. The value of something isn't determined by the price tag that someone puts on it. As much as the value of something is determined by the price that someone is willing to pay. So with that logic, let's consider the value that God says one life may be worth. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 answers our question and says this, for you know, friend, I hope you know this because the Bible is assuming you do. For you know that God paid a ransom. Salvation for you is free, but salvation wasn't free for everyone. Because God Himself paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. What's that saying? It's saying that no matter how good you have it on this, in, in this life, it is empty in comparison with what God has for you. It is an empty life. And the ransom that was paid to rescue you from this empty life was not mere gold and silver. We live in a society where people are passionate about chasing gold and silver. Here God says, you look at that as where the value's found. There's no value found in that. Instead, what was it that was paid? Why? Here it says, gold and silver, they lose their value. Verse 19, it was paid with the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. You know, to understand the value of one life, you got to understand what was paid in order to ransom that life. And here we're told that a ransom was paid to purchase us and that ransom was beyond any value that we could ever understand. Can I tell you, you may not feel valuable today, but how you feel is irrelevant because it's not how you feel, it's about what was paid for you. 
So what does this truth mean for us? It's simple. As we progress in our faith, when we recognise our value to God, then we start to see with a different lens and perspective on how we view others. Why is it so important for you to know how God values you? Because when you get a deeper revelation of God's value that He has placed on you, you then get to see the way He values others. When this revelation takes a hold of your heart, you become ready like the men in Saving Private Ryan to sacrifice whatever God asks of you in order to be a part of the rescue mission. When you truly know the value of one soul, you are ready to take on the mission that God has for you. Why? Because you haven't just been saved from something, you've been saved for something. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus gives us a picture of what this mission is going to look like when He talks about being salt and light of the earth or of being a different kind. I actually had that in my... Uh, Bible to read there, but I didn't bring it up. Uh, Benaiah, sorry, you just stay. Don't move. This is going to be awkward. All right. Yes, thank you. Just had to reach down between his legs to grab my Bible. Pretty normal. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 says this, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop. You know, we sung a song this morning that says, What's that? How does it go? The darkest night. I got there. Thank you. You know, we sing these songs because we like the tunes, but the revelation is straight from God's Word. The darkest night. You can light, we're singing God, you can light it up. Do you know what God's saying? You are the light. How is the darkest night of someone's world going to be lit up? It's going to be lit up by you as you carry the light. I'm not, I, I wish this was my light. It's not, this is Jesus. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then, or no one only lights a lamp on a Sunday morning between 10 and 12. People that are lit up by Christ, they go out of a church building into a world that is darker than anything that could ever have dreamed about and take that light into those spaces. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds, this is a very public act, let them shine for you all, let them shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise you. No, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Come on, this is the mission that we're on. There's another song we sang this morning and it said, don't you dare hide your light. I hadn't seen that lyric before, but that's what that scripture has said. Don't you dare hide your light. Come on. In Philippians chapter two, we're told that Jesus leaves the place of highest honour to come to this earth. You know, the, the imagery is almost like could be parallel with Luke chapter 10, where the son leaves the father's house. But the significant difference between the two is in Luke 10, the son's leaving his father's house because he's had enough and he wants to go and live his life his own way. When Jesus leaves heaven, as described in Philippians chapter two, he's not exiting to get out of there, He is leaving that space so that He can take everything that exists there and bring it to here. Jesus left heaven as an ambassador of heaven so that He could bring it to this earth. You know, you've heard the saying, you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. 
When I, tell, when, I, when I say a line like that in Coffs Harbour, I use country because I spent four years living in Moree. But when I'm in Moree, I say, you can take the boy off the coast, but you can't take the fully sick frothing boy off. You know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you just attribute that line to, to Jesus. You can take Jesus out of heaven, but you can't take heaven out of Jesus. Everywhere that Jesus went in His life on this earth was reflected by Him bringing a taste of what exists on in heaven for people on this earth. The significance of that is that what Jesus brought to this earth as a taste of heaven is what He intends for us to continue to take to this earth as a taste of heaven. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus prays. He teaches us how to pray. And in this prayer that He teaches us, the first line after declaring His wonder and His glory and His praise is to say this, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This prayer was introduced by Jesus 2,000 years ago and people are gathering all over the world today on a Sunday to celebrate who Jesus is and to pray this same prayer. God, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I love the message paraphrase. It says, set the world right, do what's best as above, so below. You know, we're not praying, heaven, would you please get me out of here? We're not praying, heaven, would you come and take me to that? We're not praying, God, would you come and rescue your church? No, we're saying, God, would you come and build courage and power into your church so that we might take what is happening there into a world that desperately needs it here? Revelations chapter 22 or, or the last chapter in Revelations, almost in the last paragraph, the Spirit and the Bride, they're not saying Jesus come to us. They're saying the Spirit and the Bride, they're saying Jesus come here. So what we're praying is that God's world would fill our world until our world looks like His world. So here's the question. Where do you have the opportunity to be salt and light in where God's placed you today. We were made in the likeness of Christ and are being made in His likeness so that we can produce after His likeness. Do you know that in the, in the Bible when it talks about the creation, it talks about everything was made in its form and it would produce after its form, but then it says you were made in the image of God so that you would not produce just in a biological sense of a human form, but that you would produce the image of God. Yeah, you know, here I see, and, and uh, Alicia, you can come and join me. Yeah, you know, here I see a, a church that's rising up with a fresh revelation of what it means to be salt and light in the world, to be someone who will take an experience of heaven. Here's a question that I often ask myself. What do people who are outside of the church, what do, what do they think God thinks about them and where does that revelation come from? Because what I find is the narrative of who God says He has come to be for all mankind is not the same story that is playing through people's heads of who they think God is. Because something else has been able to get in there and tell a different story. Well, friend, we're not here to tell a story as much as we are here to give people an experience. I loved even hearing that testimony that was shared by Paul today and just 
He said, right when he said, okay, God, if you're there, someone turned up. (laughs) The very next day, miraculously. Well, it was miraculous. And that's the way God intends to work. Do you know the Holy Spirit is the most active on the edge of where he's never been? So people read the Bible and they go, well, how come we don't see the miracles like we did? Do you, know what the, do, you, do you know what you're reading? You're reading a missionary novel when you read those stories about Jesus, about men and women taking Jesus to places where he had never been. The Holy Spirit is always the most active on the edge of where he's never been. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is passionate about people coming to know him. That's what the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's always gonna draw people to Jesus and Jesus is always gonna point people to the Father. Yeah, I see this with such confidence. I see this all over this celebration church that you would be people who rise up with the revelation of what it means to give someone an experience of heaven on this earth. So let's think about that for a second. What's happening on this earth that doesn't take place in heaven? Well, the Bible tells us that in heaven there is no lack. But on this earth, we see people living in lack everywhere, in, in impoverished states, in a physical sense and in a spiritual sense. But in heaven, there is no lack of either. Well, so what does God give us that we might be able to enter that space with? Well, He gives us a generosity. Whatever He has put in your hand has been put in your hand to fulfil the mission which He's given you. That means when you walk out of these doors and you walk into a scenario where generosity is needed, you remember, what, I'm not being generous so that something will come back to me. I'm being generous so that someone gets to experience what heaven is like while they're still here on this earth. The Bible says that there's no sickness in heaven. Oh, come on. This is a really heartbreaking one because not only is this relevant for our own human experience, but every single person in this room has someone that they are praying for to be healed by something that man has no ability to heal. And yet God has given us a name and His name is Jesus, the name above every other name. Now, don't let your theology collide here with an experience where something didn't turn out the way that you hoped it would. God's sovereignty, it's not like it trumps it, but God's sovereignty is tied in with it. But don't, what I'm, why I'm saying that is don't say, oh, I prayed for someone once and they didn't get healed. Friend, you take the power of the name of Jesus into every scenario and you leave the outcome up to Him. Bible says there's no sickness in heaven. So what do you do? Well, you find sickness and you take the name of Jesus into that place. You know what the Bible says? There's no fear in heaven. The Bible says there's no fear in heaven. Yet on this earth, fear is prevalent. Well, what does the Bible, give, what does the Bible say that, that we've been given by the grace of God so that we might give people an experience of heaven here on earth? Well, the Bible says that you've been given a peace that passes all understanding. What does that mean? It means that your peace will never be connected to something this world can provide for you. So when that thing that people found their peace in is, re, is removed, because it's always going to happen, silver and gold fade away, whatever people find their peace in is always going to be removed. That's a space where God has asked and commanded and said, enter that space and bring the peace that I give you into someone else's world. The Bible says there's no pain in heaven. You know, there's pain everywhere. And I'm not just talking about the physical sense here of pain in an illness sense. I'm talking about people live in grief. People live in disappointment. People live in loneliness. People live with hurt of broken relationships and failures of the past. And, 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 and that, that pain is a constant thing that 
people carry. And yet, what has the Bible given us? Well, he even titles it in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, I'll give you the comforter. Why? Is it so that we can be comforted? No, it's so that we can likewise be comforters. We are made to produce in the likeness with which we were created. And if the Holy Spirit is living within you, then you have an identity that is formed so that you might bring that into someone else's world. This church does not exist so that we can meet on a Sunday morning as much as it exists so that we can be people who are reminded that we are called to be the light. What about all the other spaces where the Bible talks about in heaven? There's joy, there's love. What about the people who live life joyless, loveless? Come on, that's our revelation. We are going to be people that, that understand our own value. And with the understanding of what Christ has done for us, we're going to make sure someone else gets a taste of it. I love it. I love saying it this way. You are now the proof because that's what that Matthew chapter 5 said paraphrased a little bit, says you are now the proof of who God is and what He has done. So what do you do with this? Well, it's very simple. You begin your day or as you go about your day, I should say, and you say, Holy Spirit, I'm available to be used by you. That's it. You just be someone who is interruptible. If you read the Gospels, you'll find that the most miraculous, well, many of the miraculous miracles Jesus did came as an interruption or a distraction. Now we're giving ourselves to distraction so often in our lives based on the thing that we are consumed by, but Jesus was, his distraction wasn't based on, his distraction was based on the thing he was consumed by and wasn't the thing that was fulfilling to him, it was the thing that was fulfilling to the Father and that is people. If you allow yourself to be interruptible, if you allow yourself to be distracted, I'm telling you, God will open up spaces where tiny little miracles can happen and tiny little miracles turn into big ones when people find Jesus Christ. I've got a friend in my own uh, church at home. Her name's Karen. And, and Karen, along with her husband, Peter, they've got three children. And uh, their youngest daughter, Lexi, uh, was born with a uh, significant uh, disability that's made communication for her almost impossible. She didn't walk for the first uh, 13 years of her life. And, and so uh, the, the challenges that this family, this Lexi, I mean, she's a beautiful girl. She's an absolute star. But uh, the challenges that this family have had to walk through have been significant and it has literally changed the course of their life. So... After a, a message similar to this that I spoke in my own church a couple of weeks ago, uh, we have a, a, an area like this outside our uh, sanctuary or our auditorium. Uh, but in that space, we've built a indoor uh, children's play gym. It's like three stories tall. It's a massive thing. It's called the Lifehouse Playhouse and it's open to the public all through the week. It's, a, it's one of our uh, passions to create safe spaces for families, which we love to champion families to gather together. And, uh, and so on a Sunday, it creates this incredibly enjoyable awkwardness as the church family gathers together in the cafe area, which is directly connected to the playhouse, and random people come to use the playhouse. So you might go out and see someone who you've never seen before and say, good morning, how are you? And you think you're meeting someone who came to church, but you're actually meeting someone who just came to play at the playhouse. I call these divine awkwardness moments. You say, how do you enjoy the service? And they say, oh, I'm just here for the players. And you're like, 
great. <laughs> so Karen gets in one of these conversations. Hers is a little bit more profound than what I've just described. She's walking to, uh, to, towards the playhouse area to, to, uh, to, to grab one of her own kids. And she notices a, a lady that's sitting there by herself and, and she just feels impressed by the Holy Spirit. You must speak to this woman. That's all she hears. You must speak to this woman. Now, I think we've all heard something like that. And the first thing we go is, God, that's definitely not you. That's me. I'm going to keep walking. <laughs> you know what I actually reckon about that whole conversation? Is that you, God? Is that me? Acts chapter 10 verse, I think it's 38 or maybe it's 28, says that Jesus went around doing good. If what you think you heard aligns with anything that could be considered doing good, just do it. And whether it's God or not, He will use it. <laughs> I'll speak that over my own life too. So she's walking by and she hears this and mate, this, this incredible woman. She comes and she says, hi, my name's Karen. I just noticed you're sitting here and I just felt like I had to come and sit with you and ask, how are you going? This woman starts crying instantly. You know, it's just those moments and then she knew, okay, God's in this. She gets to hear, I'll just tell it really quickly, but she gets to hear this woman's story. This woman has been a carer of her sister who has a significant disability for 20 years. She's a refugee who arrived into our country illegally, which means she was escaping a horrific scenario. She got here she hasn't been sent away from here, but she, hasn't gone, she doesn't go through the same process of a refugee who comes legally and moves through citizenship. So she's had a long journey without the extra benefits of what being an Australian is. So essentially without support or without uh, the kind of support that our nation wonderfully provides for people who are caring for those with significant disabilities, she hasn't had access to that. So she has been essentially looking after someone who needs 24 seven care all by herself. And who does God place next to that person? But the person who's walking the same journey. You know, anyone could sit there and say, oh, you know, that must be really challenging. But God put the person who can sit there and go, you know, I, uh, I can actually help you here. She said, hey, if you could have two hours in your week where you didn't have to be caring for your sister, how was she able to be there on that day? Her sister was actually, uh, her sister was asleep. And so she ducked out with her, uh, her sister's like, 26 or 7 so her, she ducked out and, uh, and, and, and got to the playhouse so her son 7 year old son could enjoy some time and then they were leaving straight away she said what would you do with 2 hours she said if I had 2 hours where I didn't have to care for my son or my sister I would sleep <laughs> and every parent goes mm -hmm, yep, yeah we would date night when you've got kids is getting your kids babysat so you can have a sleep it's the best <laughs> I just think that, you know, the, the incredibleness of this moment is that my friend Karen was able to pray for this woman. She asked her, she, she was not of Australian descent. She clearly had uh, the, the, the clothing that represented another faith. But she said, hey, can I pray that Jesus would encounter your life? And she said, I'd love you to pray for me. They exchange numbers and that story's developing. They've caught up since and they're beginning a, a, a friendship that who knows what it'll lead to. You know, I often think about this. We can never make someone respond to the gospel, but what we can do is give people a taste of heaven. Yeah. The unfortunate thing that the church has done is that it has put its 
determination of whether or not something is valuable depending on the outcome to it. But I, I, I don't see, I don't read the Bible that way. I read the Bible as what God values is the obedience of his people and he will take care of the outcomes. That means when the outcomes don't match what we would want them to be, we, we can easily say, well, that wasn't worth doing. But friend, that's not how heaven measures it. Heaven measures obedience and rewards obedience and God takes care of the outcomes. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the incredible opportunity it is to be a part of your church. And, and I know that even as we're here, sometimes on Sundays, we can put it into three categories. Duty, I must do this. Discipline, I will do this. Or delight, I get to do this. Lord, let us be people that understand we're not in a relationship of duty or discipline, but one of delight. That we get to be in relationship with you because of what you have done for us. Help us to understand that you didn't do what you did because of duty or discipline, but because of delight. Help us to understand your word literally says it was because of the joy set before you that you endured the cross. You didn't celebrate the cross, you celebrated what was on the other side, which is a relationship made available between us and a God called Father. And so Jesus, today for every person in this place, I pray that your freedom would be known in their hearts and their lives. Lord, I pray that you set some people free today from feeling like they are inadequate for what you have called the church to do because they don't know enough. Lord, I pray that you will just squash that thinking. Can't think of a better word, that you would completely remove that thinking in people's minds so that the intention of their life or the the purpose of their life isn't connected to what they don't know, but would come down to the simple revelation of what they do know. And Lord, we pray that your church would be one that is a light to the community, to this nation and to the nations of the world. And that we would do that by simply obeying what you've called us to do and that is being people that would give others an experience of heaven. Just as you're there with your eyes closed for a moment, I just want to, not knowing everyone in the room, I want to give an invitation to everyone that might be here that doesn't personally know Jesus Christ for themselves and You heard me talk about him uh, right throughout the service today, but particularly when I spoke about value and the revelation of understanding of what Jesus Christ has done so that you would know how valued you are is not to scream it from heaven, but to act it out on this earth. And the Bible says that he gave his perfect life so that our imperfect lives could be made whole in a relationship with God the Father. And you know, you might be, even as was shared on the testimony today, you might be in a similar situation. You might right now be living in a, in a state of fear and a state of doubt and a state of shame or guilt. You might be carrying some burdens from your past. You might be living in loneliness. You might be looking for answers, living in confusion, whatever it is. The, the Bible says that when Jesus comes into that space, you may not get the answer to the question you were asking, but you'll find that you're not asking the question anymore. 
That's the power of what Jesus Christ does in the human soul. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ personally, then I would love the opportunity to pray for you or simply lead you in a prayer that the whole congregation will pray joyfully together. Uh, But we will be celebrating you today as you potentially pray it for the first time or maybe you know in your life you're you're distant from Him right now and uh, and and you're saying, no, I need to reconnect my heart to, to to the love of God. Hey, if that's you today. Now, I would love to lead you in this prayer and I'd love you to let me know uh, that I'm praying for you today. So if that's you right now, wherever you are across this auditorium, I'd ask that you would respond in the way that you've heard other people have responded in the past and and that one came to the front. I'm not gonna ask you to come to the front, but I am gonna ask you to say, yeah, this is me. This is is me responding today. If that's you today, can I ask you wherever you are, just to raise your hand straight in the air and say, yeah, I'm coming to this. It's no coincidence. Fantastic. Thank you, champion. Thanks, guys. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hands, hands, hands. You're not responding to me this morning. You're responding to a a God who loves you and came to give you an experience of life that is not reflective maybe of the one that you're living now. But I tell you what, there is freedom that He's come to give. There's hope that He's come to give. There's joy that He's come to give. Is there anyone else that wants to respond today and say, yeah, I want to give my life to Him? So good, so good, so good. Hey, church, can I ask that you would pray this prayer uh, with me and particularly with those that are praying this prayer, perhaps for the first time or perhaps in a way of saying, you know what, I'm living a different direction, but I want to I want to align with Him. Say, say the name. We'll start by saying the name that makes it all possible. Say this line. Say, Jesus, thank you for what you have done for me. You did for me what I could never do for myself. I receive that today. I say I'm sorry. I ask for forgiveness for all that I've ever done that has been outside of your plan, that hasn't been pleasing to you. And I thank you that in Jesus, you've already forgiven me. And I ask you today, to make me whole, to give me that plan and purpose that you've always had for me so that I might live for your glory. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Holy Spirit, I pray for the people that responded today. Your Word says that when a heart is turned towards you, that you will pour out your Spirit. And I ask that you would do that today for the lives of those that have responded, that they would know your... Spirit's power at work within them, whether it's to be uh, a comforter, whether it's to, uh, Lord, bring the fruit of your Spirit that they might know the love, the joy, the peace, Lord, that they might know all of what you have come to give, that God, that that there would be people placed around these uh, that have responded today, these people that have responded today that can help them grow and understand just how good you are and the power of the faith that has been ignited in their hearts. Lord, we pray that there would be a testimony in the days, the weeks and the months to come of the miracles that you have outworked in these people's families as they have devoted their hearts to you, that you're going to bring change in their world and they're going to see a miraculous God at work in their life in a way that they never could have imagined or comprehended because that's who you are and that's what you do. In Jesus' Name, Amen. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.